Hello again, Lisa. Hello, Brian. All right. So uh, in the last part of this episode, we had a really excellent look back at uh, a lot of the achievements uh, in the healthcare sector that uh, occurred in in the Congress, and uh, a lot of good stuff happened. And now uh, for this part, we're going to look ahead to the 118th Congress. And I guess my general question to you is uh, the midterm election. I think everyone assumed we were going to have a divided Congress. We ended up getting that. But any, any kind of key takeaways from the election, not really getting political, but just as far as the landscape going forward, uh, what do you see kind of the general tone of the Congress and, and what should we expect as far as level of activity or lack of level activity uh, as far as Congress and healthcare goes? Well, it's going to be a tough going Congress. I think there is a, a number of key bipartisan issues uh, in the healthcare area that have been identified, but whether the differences within just either the Republican majority in the House, um, the range of views on issues, whether they can line those up um, enough to pass legislation and then uh, obtain bipartisan agreement in the Senate. It's going to be tough going to pass legislation this year. All right. Well, let's talk about what maybe is possible and what the challenges are in this episode. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm Brian Rudin, your host. And as we were just talking to, Lisa Smith has joined us. She's Vice President of Advocacy and Public Policy for the Catholic Health Association. And in just a moment, I'm going to introduce Lucas Swanepoel. He is Senior Director of Government Relations for CHA. And uh, Lisa, we were just kind of talking about the sort of uh, makeup of the Congress and the fact that uh, it could be a little challenging to get any kind of bipartisan um legislation through. Um, it may be limited in what we at CHA and our members can do as far as advocacy work, but um, we always put together a new agenda, uh, each Congress. And so maybe to start off with, before we turn it over to Luke, um, give us kind of a high level, if you would, view of some of the things that um, are in our agenda for this next two years, and maybe some things that are new. Yeah, I'm happy to do that, Brian. You know, uh, our number one uh, issue and uh, drawn from our vision of U.S. healthcare is really to ensure that everyone in this country has available, accessible, and affordable uh, healthcare coverage um, that is quality coverage and available to everyone to access, whether they're in rural communities or urban communities. And so we have um, kind of uh, our top issue area continues to remain ensuring access and coverage and affordability for everyone. Um, But some of the pieces that have been uh, included and added in that area is also to ensure that the financing of the overall healthcare system is strong and sustainable. So that's one of the areas that we will continue to focus on Um, Some of the other issue areas we have are maintaining a strong safety net, certainly around the Medicare and Medicaid programs that serve the the most vulnerable in our country, being the low-income individuals and families and those with disabilities and Medicaid. And then, of course, the Medicare program, which over 60% of uh, seniors on the Medicare program are considered... uh, you know, low income within that program. And so it really is key to ensuring that folks have access to care. And again, um, comprehensive benefits, access, but also the financing of those programs that are putting a 
huge strain on hospitals as they're struggling to keep up in the reimbursement rates with the ongoing increase in costs for providing healthcare across the country. A couple of the other areas of focus, um, we continue to focus on improving the health and well-being of communities and eliminating health disparities. Um, that's a huge uh, issue for us. And also looking at um, strengthening the public health system. We've seen the, the true need for doing that uh, coming out of all during the pandemic. And as we come out, we're hoping that that can be addressed. And then strengthening aging and chronic care services. We have uh, served uh, individuals through the continuum of care and have a very large um, provider network of uh, services and institutions that support uh, individuals as they age across the country and ensuring that uh, the quality of that care and the availability of workforce and, and the support of the elders and people with dis uh, disabilities to receive long-term care services in the most appropriate setting, whether in a home, in a community, or in a facility, depending on their needs. And the final one that's always critically important to Catholic healthcare, which is protecting life and ensuring conscience protection, um, and ensuring that in doing our freedom to serve and protect um, and defend human life from conception to natural death, that we also are supportive um, in that environment of individuals and families and communities to enable them to thrive, meeting all of the social justice uh, and needs that those individuals have. Great. Oh, nice overview. So like we did in the first part of this, this two-part episode, we brought in a colleague, uh, and this time, uh, Lucas, we're going to have you kind of go a little bit deeper on some of the things that Lisa just outlined and maybe kind of go back to our advocacy agenda for the 118th. And uh, the first priority that Lisa articulated was provide access, coverage, and affordability for everyone. Uh, why is that important? And I think we know the answer. It's because really of, of the challenges that we're facing. So can you kind of give us a little bit of an overview of, of the headwinds that we're facing as a, as a healthcare sector? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, as Lisa mentioned, I think one of the things we're looking at as we go into the next Congress, is what's changed? What are the new challenges? And one of them, of course, is the increasing costs of healthcare across the country, particularly as that relates to healthcare providers. And you know, we've done a few studies in the last few months looking at Catholic healthcare providers and some of the increasing costs that they've been facing. And we've seen in just in, since 2019, labor costs are up 25 percent. Uh, total operating expenses are up 16 percent. And in one year alone, you're looking at operating expenses up. Uh, over 8% in one year. And the reality is that is a cost for Catholic healthcare providers across the country that they have to continue to meet and to meet the needs of their community. And I think that's the challenge that we continue to hear from our members that they're facing and how can we look at policies that help to address some of those needs. Um, and particularly looking at policies, looking at particularly workforce, you're looking at things like um, how many physicians do we need? According to the AMA, we're looking at about 124,000 physician shortage by 2033, and we need approximately 200,000 new nurses per year just to meet the current workforce challenges. So I think that's the reality that Catholic health care providers are facing across the country. So as CHA, we're looking at how can we address that? How can we support them in meeting this reality and this changing need? And then how do we structure payment policies to reflect the growing costs? 
How do we reflect challenges related to workforce and how do we reflect the challenges on Medicaid and Medicare where they're not covering the full cost of care? Um, what are those policies that we can look at and that we can support in order to make those changes? I think that that's one of the first things we're looking at and seeing uh, when we talk to our members. And let's talk about workforce for a moment, because I think that is something that is really at a, at a crisis point. It's, it's the burning platform that we are trying to walk across at the moment. Um, what kind of, I guess, appetite or or interest, you know, Lisa mentioned how difficult it's going to be to really get anything bipartisan done, but... Um, is the workforce issue, particularly in healthcare, resonating, or, or do you think it's got enough attention on Capitol Hill on both sides of the aisle? I do, and I, and I think it is one of those issues that have bipartisan interest, um, particularly because we know it's something that affects all industries. Uh, everybody, when they sit down to dinner, has increased costs, uh, whether it comes to the cost of their food or the cost of their healthcare, and at the root of that is the increasing cost of workforce and workforce shortages. So there's a growing need and consensus amongst members to, to look at how do we get people back into the workforce? How do we support them to um, do new jobs or meet the needs that are changing in a changing workforce so that we can continue to address that over time? And I think that is one issue that does have some work uh, bipartisan interest that I think we can work on the next Congress. And the next area of our advocacy agenda that I want to pick your brain a little bit on is, is the safety net, ensuring a strong safety net. Um, we have talked a lot, uh, both on this podcast and our publications, about how we in Catholic healthcare um, really need to be smarter about addressing social determinants of health. And that takes a collaboration with organizations like we mentioned, Catholic Charities and others. Um, what's new in the agenda around ensuring a strong safety net? And, and again, what, what are some of the specific priorities uh, maybe around Medicaid reimbursement that we're going to be looking at? Uh, I think there's two parts of that kind of question on the safety net. And that is one is the issue of access. Uh, what can we do to improve access related to Medicaid and Medicare, uh, reducing costs so that all people that need health insurance have access to it? Um, the reality is, looking at the data last year, we had the lowest rate of uninsured uh, uninsured rate in the history of our country, so around 8%. So we don't want to lose that. And how do we build upon that? So I think that's the per first step of how do we ensure that a strong social safety net is looking at the access question. The second part is how do we make sure our providers have the support they need? How do we make sure that uh, Medicaid reimburses at rates uh, that meets the needs of the communities and those who receive Medicaid? How do we ensure that Medicare costs uh, are shared in a way that allows providers to continue to meet those needs? And how do we ensure that providers are able to continue to practice and do their important work in low-income communities, rural communities, and those areas that uh, often get uh, forgotten amongst our policymakers. And I think that's where we talk about that strong safety net is that we have to have access, but we also have to have support to providers to make sure that they can continue to do their work. And on Medicaid, we know that that can be very political, um, depending on which state you live in, frankly. Um, but are there specific Medicaid uh, policies that might be enacted that are get a little more creative in how Medicaid is spent? So in other words, um, we think of Medicaid as, you know, reimbursing for a doctor's visit or for emergency room visit. But there's also, a lot, I know, a lot of programs across the country where they're really looking at Medicaid funding to support um, longer stays in a behavioral health unit or outpatient behavioral health services. Are there any specific Medicaid policies that you think uh, might be addressed, and I don't want to say around the edges, but might be not big ticket dollar things that could, you know, cause some consternation, particularly among um you know, more conservative members of Congress, but are, is there some like sound Medicaid policy that might address 
social determinants of health, whether it be behavioral health, substance use disorders, uh, things like that? Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of uh, innovative and creative ways of addressing uh, community health needs using Medicaid. Uh, one a good example is looking at things like healthy housing. So connecting Medicaid uh, reimbursement and the needs of low-income uh, people with their housing needs. Uh, the reality is that when a person comes into a hospital, they're not just their medical need, but they're their social need, they're their economic need, they're their family need. And how do we as providers make the connections between social service providers, government entities to meet uh, to address those needs? Because the reality is, if we don't address their underlying causes, the upstream causes of ill health, we're going to continue to address the downstream causes of it, which, of course, increase costs for everybody. So I think those are one simple way of how to, looking at uh, integrating and addressing social determinants of health so that we can address the upstream needs to reduce the, the needs downstream and over time. So things like healthy housing, things like clean uh, drinking water, addressing lead and water. Uh, food and nutrition programs, making sure people have healthy uh, food and nutrition, I think are all aspects of community health that we can work on uh, to address the overall rising costs. And in the last uh, part of this episode, Paula mentioned the Farm Bill. We were talking about WIC and, and uh, food insecurity. Can you briefly uh, explain what we might look for in, in the Farm Bill to help uh, folks with food insecurity? Well, the Farm Bill, you know, I think most listeners will probably think of the Farm Bill and think of farmers, but the reality is it is our main uh, bill for addressing uh, food and nutrition, particularly those around the SNAP program. So, you know, the old days, people called them, uh, you had the, the the vouchers that you'd use at the grocery store. Now the program is the SNAP program, and it is the big portion of what the Farm Bill looks to address, and that is how do we give food assistance to low-income families who need it? Uh, and it's always one of the more politically um, intense conversations, but also one of the most important in addressing food needs across the country. I'm going to put you on the spot. What does SNAP stand for? Uh, SNAP, that's a that one I don't have after the top of my head. <laughs> Supplemental Nutrition and something. There you go. Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Otherwise used to be known as the Food Stamp Program. Food Stamps. There we go. All right. Good. Just so we're, we're clear on that. No, thanks for that update. Yeah, I think we got to have an acronym. That's the DC way, right? <laughs> um, okay. So the last one, uh, Luke, that I want to just touch on in our agenda is improve the health and well-being of our communities. We've had a few few additions to that. Can you, can you highlight some of those? Um, yes. So I think... So we talked a little bit about earlier, and that is the, the efforts we've done around health equity. So the we are called and making sure that we're addressing health equity. And of course, also showing our continued leadership on community benefit are two aspects of what we can do is improving health and well-being of our communities. Reality is Catholic health across the country and at the local level has long been leaders on community benefit. And so what can we do to continue to do that, but also do it in a more effective way? I think those are two areas that uh, one, there's a lot of congressional interest in, but it's also something that is a natural space for Catholic healthcare providers to be a leaders on. Because um, we, we've learned during the pandemic that if we don't address these issues, we're going to have extremely difficult health equity outcomes, mm -hmm. um, But which is not only a health issue, but it's also a social justice issue that we're called to address. And I think those are two areas that I think we as Catholic Health have an opportunity to move the ball forward this Congress. All right. Thanks for that overview, Luke. Uh, Lisa, let me bring you back into the conversation. Um, what do we miss? What do we What do we still need to highlight looking forward? And what do we uh, need to ask our members to do in support of our agenda? Well, I think a lot of that is, um, you know, running through all the points that we just did is, you know, seeing uh, where Congress is and the actions that they're willing to take. I think 
you know, in the previous podcast, we ran through all the, the legislation that and new laws that have been enacted. And so there'll be a lot of opportunity to uh, weigh in as the uh, administration writes regulations to implement all those laws. But certainly when it comes to Congress, I, I have a feeling there is also going to be some defense that we're going to be playing. You know, Congress will have to raise the debt ceiling, uh, which just allows the federal government to pay for programs and policies and services that have already been enacted into law. It doesn't include any new programs and services, but there's a big discussion going on already, uh, even though the Congress is only a few weeks in, uh, talking about uh, any increase in the debt ceiling coming with reductions in program spending, which is typically around healthcare programs, Medicare, Medicaid, and the social safety net programs that really ensure subsidies um, to help for affordable housing and food and all of the different programs that we've talked about. So um, little concern that we are going to be playing a lot of defense to try and protect some of the basic needs of healthcare and housing and food in arguments to to try and, and raise the debt ceiling and uh, cuts in programs to address the deficit. So yeah. I think it's going to be a tough one. Well, and I would say uh, we are a Catholic organization and we have members who are Catholic. So anybody who has, you know, the prayer request line, uh, maybe throw debt ceiling reasonable uh, heads prevail into the, your, your prayer request, because that is that is going to be a really uh, crucial issue coming up later this year. So thanks for that. Uh, again, that was Lisa Smith. She is Vice President of Advocacy and Public Policy for CHA. And she was joined by Lucas Swanepoel, the Senior Director of Government Relations for CHA. Thanks again to both of you for taking time out to to go over what to expect in the new Congress. Thanks so much for having us. And this has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm your host, Brian Reardon. Our producer is Josh Matica, and our engineer is Brian Hartman here at Clayton Studios just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. You can listen to Health Calls on all of your favorite podcast apps, and you can download, listen, and read notes about each episode on our website at chausa.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.